Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check out all the stuff we're doing and reviewing over on our new website at blisterreview.com. Today on the podcast, we are talking with the one and only Eric Hjorlifsson about his brand new boot that was just recently unveiled, the Hoji Free, and you get to hear it right from the horse's mouth, what is new and different about this boot versus the Hoji Pro Tour that is out in stores now. And then you're going to get to hear Eric talk about tinkering this past season with his favorite ski, the Forefront Renegade, and Eric pulls the curtain back about the process of trying to improve and refine this latest iteration of the ski. Finally, we wrap up our gear geekery by talking a bit about outerwear and Eric's work with Arcteryx. And I should also mention that if you somehow missed it yesterday, we ran over on the Blister podcast platform what was basically part one of this conversation, where we talked to Hoji about his new film, Hoji. So, in sum, we've got new Hoji boots and new Hoji films, and we are all fortunate enough to have Eric here talking about both. This episode of Gear 30 is presented by Black Sheep Sports, which is one of our blister-recommended shops. There aren't many freeride-focused shops in Europe, and there certainly aren't many as good as Black Sheep Sports in Munich, Germany. The owner, Sebastian Steinbach, has created a shop that really is the center of freeride ski culture in Munich, with a dedication and passion for skiing and a top-notch lineup of products on the shelves, including a huge selection of skis from boutique ski companies all over the world. But a massive and unique ski wall is not the only thing that sets Black Sheep apart. Every ski in the gallery is available to demo. Every single one. That's more than 120 skis. Sebastian is also a MasterFit certified boot fitter and specializes in free ride and free touring boots that incorporate different materials and have different fits than race boots. In today's conversation with Hoji, we're going to be talking a lot about his pro model boots from DinaFit, which Sebastian stocks and loves, calling the boots a game changer. So if you're in the Munich area and you want to check out the Hoji boot and perhaps grab some fresh Bavarian beer as well, be sure to stop by Black Sheep Sports. And now, let's talk about some new skis and new boots and outerwear with Eric Jorlifsson. Well, Eric, as, uh, as the great Chris Rubens claims in the film Hoji, he actually sometimes thinks that the only reason you ski is to give you an excuse to tinker with equipment. I don't know if that's true or not, but you certainly are known as a tinkerer, and there are some bits of ski equipment that I wanted to talk to you about, including this newest iteration of the Hoji boot that I don't know when exactly there was an unveiling for this, but it was, I think, fairly soon. So I'll give you the floor. Tell me about this new boot. <laughs> um... Yeah, that was a good quote by Chris. That was great. <laughs> it wasn't always that way, but it certainly has, has moved, transitioned towards that a bit. Um, but yeah, the the boot you're mentioning is the uh, Hoji Free, which is mm -hmm. kind of an additional model to the Hoji Pro Tour, which is now available and was we debuted last season. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, that's basically what's we're that's where we're at with the hoji free is we just the dean if it had their big kind of convention sales meeting um which is kind of like a pre uh ispo it, it, it's similar to how they used to present things at the trade shows and now a lot of companies are kind of not boycotting but they they don't put as much uh emphasis on on attending those big trade shows so yeah they've they've released it it's it's uh been debuted to the world people know about it but um mm -hmm. we almost kind of i was hinting at this <laughs> um mm -hmm. the last time we spoke uh about gear last season and mm -hmm. i mean i i've been it's been a project it's been kind of the evolution of of the the platform the system that i've i've really been patiently uh waiting for and very excited about <laughs> um and of course, it's it's a strategic uh, or a strategy for Dinafit to release with with the Hoji Pro Tour and PX 
something totally new and a new idea, a new exciting product into their kind of main market, their main category within the ski industry, which is ski touring. And mm-hmm. so the Hoji Free is a specialized version of that boot that's uh, even more emphasis has been put into skiing, downhill skiing performance. Um, but for, for them as a company, it's not, it's not their, their big share of them, you know, like it's, it's a small portion of, of their predicted kind of target group that they can sell to. Um, but Mm -hmm. luckily for us, (laughs) it's coming. (laughs) So why don't you go ahead and highlight, um, a couple of what you take to be the most significant differences uh, between the the tour and the free um okay yeah i can uh, get are in. you like how many hours do you have it's it's pretty it's pretty straightforward it's it's actually okay. it's not it's not super complicated um basically the the project came to be with the realization that with just solely creating new lo- like molds for the lower shell we could achieve a new model of boot that's has a different direction and a different performance and a different category um without investing in a whole new you know all the tooling and molds for all the components so the the free utilizes all of the components essentially from the the existing hoji boots um and it's a new new lower shell that being said uh components like the cuff um let's say are our plan, you know, the plan is to inject them, and that's part of the the testing and and experimenting that Fritz and I and others have been doing. Um, they're going to be made with with more rigid materials, stiffer materials. So, um, overall, the initial kind of feedback and like basic testing that Fritz has been uh, spearheading over in Europe um, on his homemade kind of boot flexing crushing machine that measures the distance and the force um his his kind of tests where where we're at now is that the boot um the free it should be at least around pretty pretty clearly uh 20% stiffer overall compared to the the pro tour so i think that's a uh, a very good prediction and number and uh um, I'm really looking forward to that. And that's achieved through different materials, of course, in the cuff, especially, and also the design of this new lower shell and just, um, kind of reinforcing the shell with strategically placed, uh, increases in plastic thickness, um, structure basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's pretty exciting. And to go along with that, the whole point of making this new lower shell is to create a boot that has uh, as much kind of compatibility across the board in kind of these free ride, hybrid touring um, bindings. So Fritz has done a lot of work and he's been communicating with guys at Atomic and Solomon and Marker and uh, Tirolia as well. and there is a big push in the alpine industry to kind of there's a lot of confusion right now especially in Europe where rental skis fleets like people come on holidays they just rent the latest skis um but all these shops are having a huge problem and headache with grip walk walk to ride uh, you know there's just so many there's like four standards basically uh norms that mm-hmm. that <laughs> you can make it work, but it, it's not always perfect. So I think that from what Fritz has been discussing with, with these, the big Alpine players is there's going to be a pretty good, a clear push towards this MNC multi-norm compatibility and in future binding development of the products that are coming. So, and that's kind of creating bindings that work with grip walk, walk to ride Alpine and the touring norm. Um, Mm -hmm. so that's kind of been the, the direction that's the design intent that's put into the free ride, the, the, the free version. Um, Mm -hmm. so the sole, you know, that's 
we're trying to make it as compatible as possible with with the bindings that are on the market and that are coming of course so um the goal is that people can use this boot with with whatever they like hopefully <laughs> yeah yeah the last of this boot mhm yeah that stays the no that go ahead sorry yeah sorry to interrupt uh that's no. that's the uh final i would say there's kind of the three there's the flex, the new shell, the new lower shell and its compatibility. And then the third big uh, revision or, or difference would be the last. So with the Hoji Pro Tour, that boot is made as, you know, its goal was a touring boot, classic ski touring, comfort, easy to put on, get off, fitting as many feet as possible. So it has a generous, a generous uh, shape, a generous last um, and we did through all the testing and, you know, feedback from people, um, there's some comments made. So we being open-minded and also thinking about what we're trying to accomplish. Um, we had the opportunity with this new lower shell to adjust the last. And, uh, we spent a lot of time Fritz and I with the team down in Montebelluna you know, cutting cross sections of the boots and drilling holes all through them and measuring. And it was actually really fun. And uh, so, yeah, we were able to make some subtle changes that I think will benefit a lot of the users that will be interested in the, the free version. Um, just kind of taking that generous touring style last and, and whittling it down and kind of removing some volume in areas to kind of achieve a bit more of an alpine uh, shape, an alpine last. Um, hmm. That being said, we didn't go super aggressive, super low profile, everything super low volume because it's still, you know, it's meant for touring. It's going to walk yep. as well as the the touring, uh, the pro tour version. <laughs> so hmm. um, yeah, there's always there's always kind of a balance there, but the main differences are. We removed uh, about a millimeter, millimeter and a half in kind of the forefoot uh, section in width. And we also brought down the toe height uh, in the toe box is relatively similar, but the section kind of underneath that first buckle, uh, the mm -hmm. toe buckle, and like kind of after your toes or where your toes kind of connect into your foot, that's, I believe, uh, about three mi millimeters lower. So hmm. that was an area where there there was quite a bit of uh, comments from from testers and people like just they didn't like the the idea or the sensation that they had a, a, quite a bit of room on top of their foot, like right where their toes are connecting to their feet. Um, for me, I, I don't I don't mind that. I actually like it because I suffer from from really a lot of thirty years in ski boots and and terrible circulation. <laughs> But uh, I do believe this revision is uh, beneficial for the target group and, and achieving a bit more of a somewhat alpine sensation and, and uh, performance, improving the skiing performance. Hmm. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing we also, sorry, just thinking no, no, of all the details. <laughs> um, we also re reduced the, uh, the width by about a millimeter in the heel pocket or like the heel width the heel of the mm -hmm. boot. Um, and we also, we kind of tuned in the, uh, heel pocket. So it's on the, on the, on the pro tour version, it's very like open and that allows anyone to just step into the boot super easily. And it's comfortable and, uh, easy to put on and off and really eliminates some, some of the problems people have with their heels. Um, so, we we've tuned in the the free version and given it a bit more of a, an aggressive shape. But that being said, it's not super aggressive because I definitely played around with uh, really taking that in. And and I mean, I don't have super bulky, big bony heels, but uh, there's a fine line there where, especially when it comes to walking, because if it's simply an alpine boot and your heel is never moving and your ankles not really bending and moving back and forth you can get away with a, a very kind of restricted zone there. But as soon as you free up your ankle and, and, and you go through walking motions, if I found personally, like if you really 
pinch in and have like a super aggressive heel pocket, it's, it's, uh, can be instantly problematic and, and very noticeable <laughs> for, uh, issues for, for walking. Hmm. So yeah, we are just spent a lot of time and, and just really trying to find like a happy blend of an yeah. Alpine performance <clears throat> fit and a functioning kind of efficient or, or, uh, comfortable ski touring fit Hmm. well hearing you talk about it it just reinforces what i always say which is that i'm glad i don't design and build ski boots because (laughs) man trying to like hit all of those balances you know to try to get it you know right enough for enough different foot sizes and people that just seems real real hard and would make me want to drink a lot yeah yeah it's it's certainly not easy and you're you have to i mean like anything you you have to always be realistic like people are are different everyone has different (laughs) different feet different sizes different shapes different widths different heights so it's uh and i mean that's part of the heritage um of Montebaluna and, and the boot, the ski boot fitting or like the ski boot manufacturing world is like the art of those, those lasts that are passed down for generations almost of like, you know, trying to figure out what, what is really the common shape that, that can work for the most amount of people with the least amount of problems. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, and, and, all of this being said, I, I certainly didn't shape the last or anything like that. Like we were giving it a lot of uh, feedback and and suggestions and like, but I'm I'm not skilled enough on CAD to like sit there and draw three dimensionally exactly what I want. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I'm I'm optimistic. I think uh, the initial fittings and and feedback I've I've experienced. I was actually they uh they did a, a really cool thing this time the guys at Dinafit um for me is maybe people realize or know i i have a size 25 5 foot um which is obviously not the sample size for ski boots especially ski touring mm-hmm. boots alpine boots is typically 265 and touring yep. boots is 275 yeah. so this time around with the development of this boot, they co-developed a size 27 and 25 for just the initial um, injection. So I actually got a, a few pairs with different plastics um, to test uh, kind of in the late spring, early summer, um, which was just fantastic. But one thing that was interesting is uh, that the strategy was to just build these first uh, two sizes with the absolute minimum wall thickness of plastic to see how light and how what we could get away with. And so, of course, that they were light and that was good, but they didn't provide the rigidity and even using like super, you know, high amounts of carbon or, or glass or any sort of fibers we we weren't seeing the results that on the spec sheets for those materials you know they're claiming that it's eight times stiffer than the the the, the same plastic without inje- uh, reinforced fibers and things like that but it it clearly wasn't uh it wasn't a linear um comparison off of the data sheets so that was a cool experiment but uh from those early shells in size 25 and 27 they they just moved forward developing the uh size 27s and fritz was really spearheading that and building them up and testing them on his machine and skiing them and they had a few other testers and um eventually getting to the point where he was getting the results on his machine and the results skiing them that uh were in a good way and so right now they are uh, adjusting those um, the first size 25 molds and as I return to Europe here at the end of the week I should be getting my first pair or pairs of kind of the semi-finalized uh, 25.5s with the correct hmm. stiffness and thickness and 
And uh, of course, yeah, there's still the goal is to get these and start skiing them, get as many pairs as I can and get some 27s for other friends and testers and uh, just start hammering on them kind of the first half of the season. And we we have until I think about mid-February to really, you know, there's still possible, there's still time to make some adjustments to the molds if if we uh determine that that we need to make them stiffer or something you know so it's it's an exciting time i'm really really looking forward to uh to getting um my first kind of semi-finalized pairs and uh yeah my dream is really to to start skiing them and ski i want to compare them directly against some alpine boots and get some Hmm. you know some of the alpine style bindings that have adjustable toe height and a a sliding afd i gotta figure out which are the ones to get uh because i'm totally out of touch with that (laughs) but yeah i just really i want to take them and you know ski peace or whatever it doesn't even have to be good snow it's probably better with bad snow and maybe even get some uh we should probably order a pair of those msps um from forefront Mm -hmm. and just just do some uh real go back to my roots of alpine skiing here because that, <laughs> exactly. that that's the dream is to to get as close as we can hmm. um obviously and at the same time not not lose or compromise on the walking performance and the functionality of the whole hoji lock mechanism and system so and hmm. I, I think it's a, a pretty realistic goal that we can you know be very very close to alpine performance and they're going to walk essentially the same as as the the pro tours so minus you know Hmm. obviously the the sole is a bit it has to be longer they're going to be about a centimeter longer to accommodate the heel and toe lugs so it's you're going to lose a bit of efficiency and like comfort of walking on rough terrain or whatever but uh that's something i'm i'm more than willing to live with um, and of course, with that being said, you'll, there'll be a bit of a weight penalty cause you have more material. Um, yeah. but it's, it's not significant. It's, I, I would imagine, I think we can be, you know, within 80, 50, 80, hundred grams total of, of the, the, uh, pro tour there. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I guess the last gear 30 conversation we had, we were talking about how, frankly, I don't think either you or I are like care about shaving every last possible gram off. But I was curious to hear if you guys were like, look, we really are trying to stay within a weight target. Like if the conversations actually at DinaFit were like, we are okay going a hundred grams heavier if need be, or was weight just not brought into it. And it's more about like, you, Eric, are trying to like, I want this new free boot to have these performance characteristics. And once we get there, we'll put it on a scale and see what the scale says. Yeah. I mean, I mean, with DinaFit, with the, the brand that's an uphill brand, like there's always mm-hmm. weight, weight is super important. And there's a lot of boots coming out now that are extremely light for buckle, you know, somewhat of these hybrid Alpine free ride touring mm-hmm. boots. So there is a drive to maintain those kind of similar, a similar weight goal. And I mean, that was part of, I thought was a really uh, smart way or clever way of, of developing the shell was like, okay, let's start with the absolute thinnest material that we can inject that's safe Mm -hmm. and see experiment. They tried so many different kinds of plastics and I mean, the the goal or the the uh, hope was that because these materials have such a higher uh, modulus of elasticity on paper for a cross section of whatever it is that okay maybe we can you know have just like the absolute pinner minimum shell thickness and and really save weight and uh, get achieve the flex and the stiffness and rigidity through the materials themselves but it was awesome that they took that that direction and that um, kind of idea and went with it and then didn't just stop and say, okay, well, they're too soft, but they're, they're light. <laughs> so yeah, there's, there is a lot of, uh, 
I guess we have kind of freedom or we're allowed to Fritz and I and, and the guys in the team are really working hard, incredibly hard, but yeah, it's like this, the boot has to perform in a certain way. And so you start eventually, you know, that's one of the compromises you're going to, okay, you need more material. You need to thicken this up. You need to create structure to, to make it flex the way that you feel is appropriate Well, you're going to add weight. But, um, that was an acceptable, um, you know, process or whatever people, there was no resistance, let's say, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yep. which is super yeah. cool. And, um, yeah, it's, it, it has to perform. It has to work for what you, it's intended to work for, or like ski the way I wanted to ski. <laughs> and yep. so, yeah, you're gonna, it's never going to be a thousand gram boot. You know, you can't have yep. a two buckle super light super thin there has to it i mean maybe if it was made out of titanium and strictly carbon fiber you know there are there are ways but it's uh is that going to give you the flex is that going to be something that's uh you know you can produce that and sell it at a a good a fair price like you look at the randonne race boots the full carbon boots i mean i think they're like two thousand euros or something it's like that yep. yeah that could be a way of doing it but you're not you're not really helping people you know you're you're helping the elite few and not yep. uh the the main the skiers out there <laughs> yeah so yeah but uh no it's it's been really really fun and and super cool to to have the opportunity to to like evolve uh you know the the system that we've been working on for almost five years now and and kind of I would say this is kind of a bit of a reward or something. Um, the company, you know, just kind of saying, all right, let's, it's time to make, uh, to make the boot that Eric needs to do his job. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well put. That's great. Um, I did want to ask you, um, there were some questions about crampon compatibility with the first boot. I don't know how aware you have been of those conversations, but what can you say about in terms of crampon compatibility for the Hoji Free? Well, the Ho- yeah, the Hoji Free, well, you should be able to put any crampon from the last 20 years on there with with a, a you know, a steel toe bale because it has a, a toe on it. So it, it'll yeah. have uh, zero issues with compatibility with crampons um okay and with the pro tour like my there's the cramp in system that they're still getting out releasing and working on and somehow i don't i i haven't personally received a pair or tested them or tried it um it is pretty slick and i i do think that system for it it, it has its benefits like i know the ron and a scene the racers like the the top boots the the Pierre Genou carbon ones that they've been doing it now for probably two, three years, I guess. And people, you know, for racers, it's quick, easy, boom. Crampons are, are, uh, symmetrical. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter what foot and you boom, boom, and you're going and you're running. And, uh, that's super important. And that combined with that really low profile toe that gives you the most efficient walking, uh, pivot of rotation. And just having like the lightest, shortest boot possible is all very important, uh, especially in that that category. Um, hmm. But yeah, it's it's kind of for the Hoji Pro Tour. My my good friend, my ski partner Andre here in Whistler, actually bought me a pair of. Um, I I don't even know the the uh, model, but it's the Petzl crampon with the Dyneema. Uh, strap in the middle and the the steel front and the aluminum back and they actually come with in the box uh both uh the kind of standard steel toe bale and these pretty slick uh plastic baskets that actually are the nicest ones I've ever seen and I've used them once and they seem you know relatively uh solid um <laughs> But yeah, it's cool. It comes with both in the box and they're easy easy enough to switch out and they fold down nice and flat. And that's always been one of the main negative factors, I think, from from a non-steel like steel 
uh, loop on the front of the crampon if you have the big plastic basket to hold a boot without a toe um, welt, like a snowboard boot or mountaineering boot or whatever it may be. Um, then they just eat up so much real estate in your backpack and they're yeah. just h- yeah. hard to deal with. So these ones, uh, Petzl, I would say, has done a very nice job. Um, I wish I knew the model uh, name for you here. It's kind of one of those things I just, they just arrived, they just came to me as a gift. And so I didn't, I wasn't aware of, of what they were, but uh, yeah. they, they seem pretty nice and they're very light and they fold up with that Dyneema uh, strap in the middle. They fold down like you fold them in half and they're tiny. So there is options out there for people who are who have bought the Pro Tour or considering it, and um, I think those that that Petzl crampon system is a very acceptable uh, solution there. If you don't hmm. want to commit to the the Dinafit uh, cramp in uh, mm-hmm. system, I want to ask you about the forefront Renegade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in part for selfish reasons, because we. Wanted to get back on the Renegade. I hadn't skied it since, a, I think, like the 2011 version of that ski, which I also think you and I talked about on the, the last conversation. Yeah. But um, So we started getting reports that, like, well, Eric wants to switch this thing up, and what we should have assumed was not, we've changed it, here you go, go test it. We should have understood, like, we are in tinkering phase. And so what I want to have you do is give me your best explanation of where the current Renegade that is now being sold, what is different or the same about, you know, after this tinkering phase you went through, how, how similar or different are we looking? Uh, I mean, there, there certainly are some very, it's very similar, um, as you were kind of mentioning there, we went through, it was another very fun and, and interesting process to, you know, we're in the process of changing production facilities and now we have an opportunity to, we're going to have to make new tooling to produce the Renegade. And so now for the first time in like eight years, um, we can really make some changes to the, the shape of the ski. Cause up until now, the eight years I believe of production every pretty much every single year the ski has been improved through different woods different cores different uh binding retention uh techniques different fabric uh composite layers different layering um base material like everything is kind of every year I think it's been refined and the weights come down and it's been uh dampened it performs in a, a much better way. Like the original, those old renegades are, it might share the same outline shape, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it's been a lot of fun, but we've always kind of been restricted to working with the tooling that was already invested in. And that dictates the shape of the ski. Um, so yeah, knowing that this was all happening, we, uh, I took it upon myself and working with Bob, the engineer, Bob Boyce and, and the forefront guys. Um, let's how, how, what, what are some things that, that we could try? What, what are some improvements? What are some of the, uh, common, uh, critiques of the Renegade? And, and one of the things that I've always kind of paid attention to that I've heard over the years is for a lot of people, it's challenging to let the ski, uh, kind of build up speed so that it's planing. You know, if you're in trees or if you're in tighter terrain, like it's hard to get it up to the speed where it's really working properly. It doesn't have a huge tip. It is pretty forward mounted. And mm-hmm. um, so the idea, the goal for me was like, can we achieve a tip shape with kind of added width and and different taper um, that will allow the ski to rise up quicker in the, out of the snow and lower, you know, with less forward momentum and, uh, not compromise the pivoty, surfy, very neutral, playful, um, performance that I've come to know and love. And so, yeah, the, the one of probably, we made a bunch of different prototypes and different shapes and compositions. And that's obviously you, you were able to, to get a pair 
to, to try, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was, it was kind of interesting. Like it was an experiment and after many, many days of skiing on them and comparative testing with your kind of the current renegade, uh, my favorite ones that I've been milking along for three years now. um and skiing with a couple friends one guy in particular my buddy kevin who shares the same boot size as me so we were working at up at the touring lodges coaching the camps and you know just ski switching between the two the the prototypes and the current renegades run for run in all sorts of snow and terrain and like ultimately we both were feeling that the improved kind of tip flotation of the newer shape was was not outweighing the kind of demanding tip demanding performance like it it just wasn't as pivoty it was you had to be more on forward on your boots you had to really be on top of them um so ultimately after all this thinking we could improve it we kind of reverted back to uh, (laughs) a, a much closer to the original design um, but that being said, because we had the opportunity, we were moving production facilities and building new tooling. Um, one of the th- the big improvements that I've been wanting to address was the lengths that we've offered. You know, the past mm-hmm. has always been 186 and 196. And I mean, the 196 is has a cult following, I'm sure, of just monster guys out there. I mean, it's ridiculous. That's There's not many skis on the market, I think, that cater to to people of that size and strength. Um, but unfortunately I think what we decided to do is to trim that down to a 191 and to trim the 186 to a 184. And, uh, I feel like I'm optimistic that that size adjustment will allow more people to, who might be interested in the Renegade to give it a try. Cause I think it's kind of a size split that, that can bridge between a lot a lot more skiers out there than the previous sizes. Um, and so some, some minor revisions were done as well, like a little bit of adjustment to the side cut and, and, uh, not much to the taper. Like that was one thing I really, this experiment was a a big experiment in tip taper for me. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, in the end, I, I just really, I love (laughs) that original renegade, uh, design so these new lengths are uh, are quite quite similar which is interesting that a design that's eight years old or even older I can't even remember now is still stands up yep. <laughs> that's crazy yeah. to me and it's hard to accept that you maybe you plateaued somehow <laughs> god I feel like we fight for this all the time in the review stuff we do is just basically now pleading with companies like if you have dialed a product in please don't change it you know and and it's interesting a lot of companies have told us in the past like look frankly the way a lot of review publications are set up you know they're gonna get advertising deals from manufacturers to pimp the new products And so the review publications basically always are declaring that the newest thing is the best thing ever. And, you know, if you go back and look at like, how did we get into this spot where we're not allowed to say like, hey, we nailed a design eight years ago and we've tinkered with it, but our best assessment is we're not, we could make it different, but we can't necessarily improve on it. I really want to create more of a culture where brands are like, it is what it is and it's really good. And so we're com- we're bringing it back and not apologize for that. And interestingly, right, you dive deeper and down on this and you start to understand the economics of how we got ever got into a situation where you always have to change, change for yeah. change sake. And it's like, well, that's stupid, it turns out, a lot of the time. Yeah. So Well, and it's just a byproduct of um, you know, kind of the last ten or so years of we have gone through such an incredible revolution mm-hmm. of progression in ski equipment. It's, I mean, across the board in action sports as well. I just know skiing because that's what I'm involved in. But it's, yeah, it. You know, you think back to those early days of fat skis and the spatula mm-hmm. and McConkie and like the industry was so 
locked down into like alpine racing is the pinnacle that's what everyone needs the highest level you know we were free skiing powder on our gs 198s or whatever they were 60 something mils wide and and uh, you know i i'm as guilty as anyone i remember being that teenager and and fat skis people are talking about that and it's like well that's just for like those are for like rich heli skiers that don't know how to ski powder like we know how to ski powder we can rip on these skis we don't need like it was just this like total perception of Hmm. we are good at what we do and we don't need an advantage and that's how this that's how the ski industry was for for many many years i think um because it was traditionally based in europe where that's their culture is they they sometimes have they have so much heritage to fall back on the it's hard for them to make radical changes um but yeah now you look back at those skis you were on or if you were skiing at that time and it's ridiculous mm-hmm. they look like cross-country <laughs> skis you're like how could i even i couldn't even turn those now <laughs> yeah um yeah but so yeah there was this radical shift in the industry that um suddenly as soon as those doors opened of of like oh oh there's something new and it's changing and and everyone for 10 years oh we have to like exactly like what's next what's next what's next what's next and now yeah we've kind of figured out in a lot of ways what what these shapes are what works how skiing's evolved the technique and people's uh desires and and what they want to accomplish and we're not i would never say we've achieved perfection or anything but we've we've kind of slipped back into a period of like, you know, what is next? Uh, I don't know what's next. We're kind of like, we have some really amazing equipment out there. And, and like you said, it, it doesn't always have to be, um, the latest, greatest new thing that kind of false innovation or something, just the, the sake of change for change sake. Um, it's not always a good thing, of course. So, um, but that being said, like I, I really have enjoyed the the journey of the Renegade, as as I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Like we were constantly, even though the shape hadn't changed really, we were tweaking the rocker and and that. But you can't really adjust the 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 outline shape of the ski once you have tooling. But the refinements, like every year, just through experimenting with different composites and different wood and just everything like it was changing the epoxy anything like it it really every year was getting better and better and i continues to get better um so when you look at it on on the on on someone's feet or in a shop or wherever it's hard for someone to understand that it's a different ski because it looks it has the same shape but Mm -hmm. um it's not a visual improvement (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's it's in it's interesting, but mm-hmm. to me it's a different ski. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and under yeah that and that's fair. That is fair. I think construction updates and changes in those ways that that does count. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. I want to ask you maybe very quickly about outerwear. You know, obviously uh, you are an Arcteryx-sponsored athlete, Mm -hmm. and they are certainly well-known to hire a nice stable of outerwear nerds to come up with some pretty good technical stuff. But I'm curious, and the other factors are you've been real busy trying, you know, working on this boot project, but I'm wondering how much your tinkering tendencies extend into the apparel realm or if that's been one where you're like i'm usually quite psyched to hear from the the nerds at arcteryx you know rather than sitting here coming at them with a ton of feedback about we could do this or what about that yeah i mean it's uh i definitely have a relationship with some of the designers that have been there for quite a quite a number of years and um i've been on several trips testing and I'm constantly getting kind of prototypes, different fabrics, what, you know, new designs. And mm-hmm. there is a dialogue there and there is a relationship, but certainly 
over the past couple years, especially with, you know, I've just been extremely busy and focused with the boot stuff because it really was a project that, um, it was coming from me. Like I wasn't providing feedback. It was, it was my, my idea, my baby (laughs) and working with Mm -hmm. Fritz and just learning. And it was something I, I felt, uh, really I needed to be focused a hundred percent on. So certainly that has taken time away from, uh, you know, from the rest of the workload and things that I, I need to do for my job. Um, but yeah, that being said, uh, I'm always happy to receive different things to test. And I feel like I, because of what I've been doing with skis and boots, I'm, and I also understand production and, you know, consumer what I have an idea of what skiers and ski tours are looking for. Um, I can provide some, some pretty relevant feedback for those designers. Uh, and, and it doesn't take long, you know, it's, um, unless you're trying to test durability, of course. Um, But, but yeah, Arcteryx is, uh, I feel extremely fortunate to, to be working with them and to have their, their, uh, prototype facility right down in Vancouver. Like <laughs> it, it, it has been a while. Like I used to, in previous years, I was going down there on a pretty free, <laughs> frequent basis. So we've actually been joking around. I've, I've hung out with a few of the designers, um, that I've worked with. They're actually, uh, at the, at the Hoji premiere in Banff for the Banff Film Festival. And they're just like, yeah, you need to, you need to start coming back down. (laughs) (laughs) I thought they were going to tell you that they were all psyched that you were working on this boot because you were bugging them less. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's (laughs) the, the original Franken boot was kind of, that's exactly how I, I got to know some of those, uh, designers down there. I was showing up with my duffel bags full of boot parts or the Titan boots and all the parts and Del Bellos and everything. And that was, uh, through the assistance of a couple of the designers that I I was able to, um, you know, get them to basically create the fabric gaiters that are glued onto the shell. So you can have a removable tongue and have like for that boot in that, at that time, like a really pretty free, uh, walk function, like range of motion. Cause you're just pushing fabric out of the way instead of plastic. Um, and those are still welded on there and holding up beautifully. I was actually, I took them out of my drawer last night and stole some parts off of them for my neighbor. I'm giving her the Rubens mod on her, uh, Solomon, the blue, the Smurf boots are adding an ankle buckle. So I had to steal the, uh, (laughs) the Scarpa mounting strap off of, off of the Franken boots. But I told her, you know, as soon as she gets her Hoji boots next year, I need those parts back (laughs) because... (laughs) <laughs> for anybody who has seen the hoji movie yet this is fantastic it is everyone is going to think of exactly the right scene in the movie where uh, this is relevant so uh what a wonderful wonderful anecdote yeah mm-hmm. but uh hmm. yeah i need to i'm actually going down to arcteryx um the day after tomorrow and we're gonna do uh, a brand store activation down in Vancouver, like an event there, kind of meet and greet, and people can ask me all sorts of questions about the film or whatever else. And cool. then we're gonna do a in-house screening for all these, all the employees and folks and friends at Arcteryx. So a little bit of a private function, internal function for all of them, uh, the ones who haven't been able to to make it out to a premiere. Um, hmm. So yeah, that's, I feel like it's a good, uh, that'll reestablish some of the, <laughs> the, uh, the communication to, to focus on some things to, to work on, uh, this winter with those guys, with Arcteryx. Very cool. Well, Hey man, I should let you get going. You know, we did just, uh, also have an hour long conversation about the film Hoji, um, and, I should say for anyone who hasn't either listened to that conversation yet that is over on the Blister podcast, I'm putting you on the spot. Best place that people should go to see about any upcoming stops on the film tour? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, You just go to skimovie.com. That's Match 6 Mm -hmm. official website. And there's a Hoji film tour 
uh, page on there. You have to, I believe, scroll down. Um, I think it's uh, the schedule for All In is kind of above it. So you can come down, scroll down, and okay. you should see, especially for North America, um, if you're in Europe that's touring around quite a bit with the uh, Elpcon uh, film tour and going to many dozens and dozens of different cities. Um, so that's a good way if you're in Europe. Um, of course, and then uh, eventually here it's going to be released on iTunes uh, for yeah. purchase or rental. Um, and I believe that date is December uh, 12th. So it's cool. It's coming. <laughs> we got to finish. Coming. We got to finish up the tour first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully by now everyone will have already listened to that uh, the Blister podcast episode. But um, the spoiler alert there is all of us who've seen it at Blister so far are really, really big fans of the film, and it's very well done. And um, if you've made it this far, listening to the two of us talk about boots and skis. I am certain you are going to want to see this movie. I'll at least say that. So, um, yeah, that's a good yeah. way. That's a good way of putting it. I would say. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey man, it's always fun, and appreciate you taking the time. And you know, you have been running one hell of a schedule, but it, it's it's good to reconnect, and uh, it, it's just very cool. It seems like a real cool time for you right now. Yeah, yeah, uh, certainly busy times, but uh, so many good things, and uh, it's just yeah, incredible with the kind of the film coming out and the boots coming out. It's just like, yeah, a lot going on, um, but a lot of positive, you know, just positive energy. So uh, I'm on a bit of a high of a wave here. We'll see what happens when it comes crashing down. But <laughs> hopefully by then I'll be uh, crashing into some snow. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> well put. Yeah. Well, hey, man, thanks again. And I'll be uh, talking to you real soon, I'm sure. Okay. Excellent. Thank you, Jonathan. That's it for this edition of Gear 30. Thanks again to Eric for the conversation. And don't forget to go to skimovie.com to check out the tour dates for the Hoji Film Tour. And then mark your calendars for the online release of the movie on December 12th. Thanks also to Luke Alley for producing this episode. And finally, thanks to you for leaving us a nice rating or review on iTunes if you are enjoying these episodes. We would really appreciate it. So thank you and take good care, everybody.